Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHayes, a seven-figure business consultant and strategist for online fitness coaches wanting to build life-changing companies. Real talk, I wasn't an overnight success and that would make for a pretty boring story. I was fired from my TV reporting career of a decade with just $825 to my name. In just two years, I built a seven-figure coaching business. Now I'm sharing my proven strategies with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Welcome to the Taylor Hayes podcast. I'm so glad you're here. I'm answering questions constantly for my clients, right? Whether it is an FCA, whether it's my clients that are scaling to seven figures. And so I thought to myself, when is the last time I have compiled just questions in one cohesive spot? And more importantly, I like the element of, you know, randomization. Okay. So I'm compiling basically all the questions that I've gotten recently in the last, I would say few weeks for my clients that I think could really resonate no matter where you're at, right? So these questions are in no particular order. I'm going to run down this list. I'm going to answer everything rapid fire. And when you're listening to these, take note of what makes sense, what's applicable to you. But even if something doesn't apply to you in this exact moment, right? It may in the future, okay? So these questions, again, are with all revenue levels in mind. It is not just beginner, not just advanced. So let's run down the list. And some of these questions... As I'm giving you answers, I may think of something else that I need to remind you of or, you know, throw something in there. So let's dive in. Okay. So first one, do I need a VA? Okay. So you know that you need a VA whenever you're making about six figures, I would say I would not recommend hiring a team member under the six figure mark because you want to have enough money to pay for yourself uh, or to pay yourself rather. And I'm assuming you probably have a mentor that's guiding you when it comes to the hiring process. But essentially, when do you need a VA? Because this question comes up. Uh, I had a client actually this week say, Taylor, I know you're telling me that I need that I need a VA, but I'm not totally sure what they would do. And my question is everything that you don't have to do, right? So whenever you're thinking about your business, you do not need to do anything other than literally write the content and coach your clients. That's it. There's nothing else you have to do. So you could outsource graphics, onboarding, offboarding, sending contracts, backend automations, everything that's tech stacking, KPI tracking, managing revenue. I mean, there's a million things, course creation, course build out, like the list goes on and on and on, right? So you definitely want to think about bringing on a VA, not too soon, but I don't think that anybody goes into their first hire and they actually know what they need. I mean, truly, that's how I felt with mine. So short answer, you definitely need a VA. Is it now? I'm not sure without talking to you, but hopefully hopefully that gives you some context. Okay. Taking maternity leave. How do I take maternity leave? You just do it. So one of my clients is pregnant and she is having a baby in the next few months. So she's setting herself up for maternity leave. She has an assistant coach. And so the solution that I gave her, and I'll give you, I'll give you the answer for those of you that have an AC and those of you that don't. Okay. If you have an assistant coach, have that assistant coach take over all of your clients for the time being. I would recommend taking one week completely off of check-ins and then letting your assistant coach handle the rest. Um, and then I would give yourself as much time as you want, right? I've had clients that have come back after two weeks. I've had clients that have come back after three or four weeks. It just depends on what your body needs and what you want as well, right? Now, if you do not have an assistant coach. 
I would recommend taking two full weeks away from your clients and I would add two weeks to all of their contracts, right? Uh, whether that's a quick addendum that you can send out. And in, in terms of coming back, right, how do you come back without being totally overwhelmed? You know, you could definitely do a check-in with them and, uh, you know, the response time could be up to two business days. Maybe you want to take off more time than that. That's totally fine too. I would just add it to the end of that contract. <clears throat> super, super easy. Wouldn't worry about that. You know, keep in mind, like your clients are rational people, right? I'm assuming you're working with people that you love, that care about you, you care about them. There's absolutely nobody that is going to get mad at you for taking a maternity leave. So I want to make sure that you also know that, okay? When should I launch a group program? When I say group program, I'm not talking about a course. So I've got two questions back to back. When should I launch a group program? When should I launch a course? You should launch a group program when you start to get an abundance of applications consistently and frequently in order to minimize the growth of your private roster, but maximize impact and income, right? So a group program is going to be a little bit lower tier. It's not as high uh, touch. It's not as high demand. And, you know, you can only scale your private coaching so far, right? Most people that I work with do not want to have a roster of 75 to 100 clients. And with that being said, having a group program is a really easy way to get people in. And then the people that are kicking ass, they will, of course, rise to the top and work with you at a private capacity. But a group program is a great solution. Now, do not offer a group program at the very beginning. I would not recommend that. Why do I not recommend that? Because you are still trying to build not, not only authority, but you're still trying to master your one-to-one -one coaching method, right? You cannot teach a one-to-many until you've mastered the one-to-one. -one. The easiest way to not get results and not have retention and not scale your business is to offer a group coaching program before you've ever mastered your coaching method. When should you launch a course? After you're making at least 20, 30K months, I recommend 30K months, you're hitting multi-six figures and it's time to really scale. A course is going to be something that is not funneling into your one-to-one. -one. It is a standalone. Now, what that looks like is going to be very different based on who you are, but I want to make sure you have all of the people in place, an OBM or a VA, a setter, uh, potentially a closer, probably not. You don't really need a closer at this point in your business, but some of you may have that. Um, but you want to have the bandwidth and support to have a really solid launch to get all of those deliverables ready to go, right? And so you definitely don't want to go into a course too early. How do I find leads? Let's go into this. So I could dive into DMs and, and really go on some rabbit holes. And I will say this, if you have not listened to my podcast on DMs, I've got multiple, I've got multiple podcasts on sales, every single process of, of sales, right? So take a look at those, but <clears throat> you want to find leads using either competitors in the space or potentially products that people are using, right? Like for example, let's say all of your clients are using, I don't know, first form products. I'm just making up a supplement company that I thought of first, right? First form may have done a giveaway recently. Go to the giveaway post, look at who entered, go send them messages. If you find somebody who is a competitor, somebody who is in your niche that has a high amount of followers, right? High amount, 20K to quarter million, right? High engagement, go to their comment section, see who's asking questions, answer their questions privately in the DMs, 
And that's a way to build leads as well. But I find that people oftentimes overthink lead sourcing, right? That's an Instagram uh, way to do leads. You, you could also um, dive into Facebook as well. If you have questions on Facebook, you can message me, but I am keeping this Instagram focused. But here's the thing, again, finding new leads requires you to have solid sources, but it also requires you to have volume. So if you're thinking to yourself, oh my God, it takes me an hour to find three people, you're you're definitely thinking too hard, right? Uh, you don't know if somebody's a great lead until you talk to them for a little bit, especially if you're a fitness coach, right? Because your leads are probably regular people who are not using Instagram. They are not posting much on their story. So uh, I try to find something in a comment where I can start a conversation that way, right? How much should I charge for my coaching? This question I get asked all the time. The average price for coaching online on a month-to-month -month basis is $250 to $500 a month. That is for gen pop coaching, uh, contest prep even. Now, some of my functional coaches may charge a little bit more than that. Uh, some of my functional coaches may add a, an additional fee up front for lab work or whatever. But essentially, um, you know, what you charge for coaching, no less than $250 a month. And that is all I have to say about that, okay? And I also recommend doing a month-to-month, -month, uh, or excuse me, a contract that is a three-month minimum and then a month-to-month -month after that. Taking vacation. How do I take a vacation? You just do it. You just take a vacation, right? Put it in your contract that if you are going to be off for more than two consecutive days, you will give your clients uh, at least a seven-day notice. I try to give my clients like a two to three-week notice for sure, uh, usually even like a month ahead of time. Typically, when I put out my call calendar, I will tell my clients, you know, hey, I'm going to be off on these days. Uh, but that's really important to know. Um, but you should not feel bad for taking a vacation. Now, if you're going to be gone for, let's say, a week or so, I just change my response time to 48 hours. So if I typically respond within one business day, I respond within two business days. That gives me buffer. I'm not stressed. But I also don't like coming back from vacation with a million messages. So that's what I recommend doing. My OBM isn't doing their job. What do I do? Now, you could insert this with VA, setter, whoever, doesn't matter. But oftentimes, I find that my clients hire an OBM, hire a VA, and it was either too early, not the right fit, whatever. How do you course correct? How do we fix this, right? What I've heard recently is that uh, maybe an OBM isn't quite an OBM. They're more of a VA. Um, in case you're new to what I'm talking about, OBM is online business manager, VA is virtual assistant. So, you know, if your OBM is not doing their job, I want you to ask yourself how you're leading the team. How are you leading this person, right? Because your team, like you, that, that, that's your responsibility, right? So if your question is, something related to my team not doing their job, right? Why is my team not performing? Then I'm going to ask you, how are you showing up in your business and being a leader? Every single thing in your business is your fault. Every single thing, whether it's good or bad. So if your OBM, for example, or VA isn't performing, they're not completing tasks, they're not tracking their time, they're not whatever, insert the blank. My question is, what expectations have you set? How are you giving them a performance review? How are you managing that team member so that these expectations were clearly laid out, right? Because if there is no way of assessing their progress or performance and you've never done that, it's going to be really hard to come in and say, why is all this not being done, right? Because we don't want to come in and micromanage a team member, but to a certain extent, 
you know, you have to make sure things are getting done. If they're not, that needs to be addressed, right? So the first thing to figure out is, is it a you problem? Is it a them problem? I would say, like I mentioned before, everything is always a you problem, okay? Um, even even if it's not, it is, right? It is, it is your problem. And is your team member, take ownership, take responsibility. But get really clear on what the problem is. Something that I love doing with all of my new team members is I have them take a DISC performance test, like a DISC personality test. This is going to tell me how they operate in the workplace, how they get along with people, how they like to receive feedback, right? There's certain things that I like to see about new team members to see if they're going to be complimentary to me because I don't want to hire people that are exactly like me. I want to hire people that have strengths where I have weaknesses, right? So also doing your due diligence on, you know, finding the right hire, which is the next question, right? How do I find a VA or an OBM? How do I hire somebody? And getting really, really clear on your job posting and then putting out an application, What I did years ago is not what I do now. And what I mean by that is it's so easy to go online and type in OBM or VA or DM expert and and find candidates, right? But the online space is the wild, wild west. People charge insane amounts without experience. Uh, People can call themselves whatever they want without experience. And so I found luck using sites like Indeed or LinkedIn or even Upwork to find contractors or employees and making sure that your job posting is very, very particular and specific and exciting, right? Take some time on that. And also, you know, I've posted the same job posting, but I've had multiple different titles just to see what brings in certain people, right? So keep that in mind too. An ideal client just signed a six-month contract. She is one month in and now she's bailing because of blank. How do I fix this? So if you get an ideal client that comes in and they sign a contract and then all of a sudden they're trying to bail based on whatever it is, they're buying a house, they lost their job, whatever it is, right? Keep in mind, people will give you any opportunity to get out of a contract that they can. If somebody gives you this excuse, here's what I want you to do. First, do not respond with emotion immediately. Let it sit for a second. Then I want you to respond as a team member, as a support, okay? Have a support email. Even if you don't have a team member, support at whatever.com or, you know, first name, last name, support at gmail.com if you don't have a domain. Totally fine, right? And then I want you to email this person and try to reconcile it, right? Hey, so-and-so, I heard that you're dealing with whatever. Uh, You can kind of go that route. Typically, what I like to do before I send an email, though, is I will respond to the person and say, hey, so-and-so, sorry that you're dealing with whatever. Let's get on a call and talk about this, okay? So your team hasn't said anything yet. Get on a call with them. Make sure this call is recorded. Go over their goals, why they started, what they wanted out of this. And if they're still trying to get out of the contract, that's when you're going to bring up the contract. And then if, if there's a conversation about maybe it's a payment plan that you work out, maybe there's a, a clause in your contract about a buyout, that's where your team or, you know, you as a support email would take over, right? In that instant, in that instance. So the problem I see is that somebody will mention a contract and we're like, oh, no, you can't get out of the contract. Okay. And we start talking about the contract. And if the conversation is focused on the contract versus helping the client, It's going to be really off-putting. Even though your first instinct is to grab the money and you start going into this scarcity mindset, you want to maintain authority, right? So try to talk to the person. Be a freaking human, okay? And like try to figure out what's going on, right? 
If they're not being reasonable or amicable, then yes, get a little more aggressive. And that's where you can go down the rabbit hole of, you know, support getting involved, potentially demand letters, potentially all of that. But a lot of that can be avoided based on how you initially handle the, the conversation. What is a content strategy? Okay, I hosted a workshop on this a few weeks ago. It is free. <laughs> if you really want some help, DM me the word content strategy. Those are two words. DM me content strategy and I will send you that workshop. It's again, totally free. I'm not trying to sell you anything, but like I just did a workshop on this. A content strategy is a macro and micro approach to your content, okay? It is not posting when you feel aligned. It is not winging it. Content strategy is knowing what you're posting over the next 30 to 90 to six months even, 30, 60, 90 days, six months even, and knowing exactly what the game plan is for hitting revenue targets, projects, just whatever, right? Moving the needle and having a micro approach on a weekly and daily basis to make sure that sales are coming in. It's, it's, it's not just winging it, right? Content strategy is a little more in depth than that. Again, if you want that workshop, DM me the words content strategy, no strings attached. I will send that your way. Should I start a podcast? Abso-frickin-lutely. I love a podcast. You can speak your truth. It is totally yours. It is a great way to market. Um, I'm sure if you're listening to this, I've probably sent you podcasts in the DMs, but I love that this is a great way to get to know me and my coaching methods. And, and you feel like we're kind of hanging out when you listen to these, right? And so for you, think about how much rapport you could build with your clients because if you're relying on your content to sell, it's not going to, right? And I know if you're listening to this, you're probably like, Taylor, I don't love the DMs. I'm not the best at that, but it's part of the process. Imagine if you took all of the commonly asked questions that you got and you turned them into podcast episodes, right? You would have so much more to talk about in the DMs. And so I definitely recommend starting a podcast. How will I scale to seven figures without working more, without taking time away from my family, without taking time away from, you know, loved ones, right? That's a question I get. Uh, actually, just got this yesterday. I had a client who actually said, I may not be your fastest scaling client because I prioritize my family, but, you know, I, I'm, I, I'm devoted. Something like that, right? Something to that nature. And here's what I said back. I said, listen, you're basically assuming that those who make seven figures have no time for their family when really those who are making seven plus figures are way better at prioritizing and multitasking than you are right now. Because you don't get to seven figures if you suck at efficiency. You don't get to seven figures, right? Like I still text my friends and FaceTime them and read books and sleep in on occasion and see my family and take trips and do things with my friends. All of that's happening all of the time, right? Do you have to make sacrifices as an entrepreneur? Yes, but does your rate of scale need to slow down because you have a family? Absolutely not. 85% of my clients, at least 80%, are married and, and or married with children, right? So to me, that is a mindset shift because when you scale to seven figures, here's what I want to, let's put it this way. The question of how will I scale to seven figures without always working more? without sacrificing time away from my family, all of these questions you have around making more, making more impact without doing more. Here's what you have to realize. 
as you scale and grow, there has to be a better method for efficiency. You're also going to have more support. Who you have on your team right now is not who is on your team at seven figures. It's going to grow. It's going to expand. The work you're doing today is different than the work you do later, right? It just changes. You get better at things. You get faster at things. It's not that the workload goes away because here's the thing. Like if you're in business and you want to build a lifestyle business and I'm talking about six figures and you're done, that's cool. But for those of you that can tell me and look me in the eyes and say, Taylor, I want to impact thousands or millions even, hell, but thousands, that's a million dollar company, right? You're not going to get there on a three hour workday. But you also do not have to sacrifice time away from your family. Again, those people that are making seven figures, I can promise you, including myself, are making time because we know how to manage our time. We are efficient people. What is the difference between an OBA, OBM and a VA? I kind of talked about this earlier, but just to kind of reiterate it one more time, a VA is more of a task rabbit and OBM is more of a consultant, thinking ahead, managerial role. Am I ready to hire a setter? Two ways to look at this. First thing is also, if you don't know what a setter is, that is somebody in your DMs who gets appointments booked for you, calls on your calendar, right? So you are ready to hire a setter if you have maxed out your volume in the DMs. I knew that I was ready for a setter when I was spending two hours a day in my DMs. I was doing really well, but I started to notice I was not able to get everything else done and still manage the DMs. Now, if you're just starting out your business and you're making less than 10K months, your priority right now is content and sales. So you have time to do that. But I was making about, I don't know, 25, 30K months. And I was like, man, I can't manage all these clients. I had like 60 clients on my roster. I had a VA uh, working with a business coach. I was launching a course soon. I didn't have the time or the bandwidth to keep doing this myself, right? So I knew it was time to bring somebody on. Now, the other, the other thing, let's say you're listening to this and you're thinking, Taylor, I'm just not good at the DMs. If you've been, a, if you've been trying for, you know, I don't know, and when I say trying, I don't mean half-assed. I mean, you've been giving it your entire, just every bit of effort you've been putting in. If you have spent six plus months trying to do it on your own and you still have no success to show for it, hire a setter. Like, end of story. Normally, I say you want to have a sales process developed before you hire a setter. But here's the thing. If that is you, the, the second category, right? The person who's been trying forever, I want you to make sure though that your messages, messaging is extremely clear because if you bring a setter in, your content sucks, right? You're not going to do any better with a setter. My best friend has free time. Should I let them do my DMs? No. Just because your best friend wants to work for you does not mean you should let them. I have had so many of my friends contact me over the years saying like, Taylor, I can do this. Hey, do you need a lawyer? Do you need a graphics person? And the answer <clears throat> is always, I appreciate that, but I'm not hiring right now. I appreciate that, but I'm not looking right now. Even if you are, say that. Because at the end of the day, you don't want friends in your business. I know that sounds fun, but you know, yes, you will build friendships with your team members and relationships with them of different dynamics, but you don't want to hire a friend and put them in your business. Keep friendships and or business and personal separate. Should I run a flash sale? And you can change the word to birthday sale or summer sale or spring sale or whatever it is, right? Run a sale 
only when you have people that you know will say yes to it. So if you think that, oh, I'll run a sale and people will come out of the woodworks, the answer is no. Make sure you have hot leads that are ready to buy. Should my assistant coach start coaching my clients? So let me give you context. I have a client who has an assistant coach, has been in her business for uh, a little over a year, and this client has maxed out pretty much her one-to-one roster. And so she's like, there are some tasks I don't want to do anymore. Can I utilize my AC? The tasks include some onboarding things, looking at food logs, uh, assisting with some chats, right? And I said, absolutely. Amazing idea. Love it. Let's go. Your assistant coach roles don't have to be confined to just their clients, right? Especially if you have an assistant coach who can only work full uh, part-time. If your assistant coach can only have 20 to 25 clients, which is part-time, get them involved in your clients as well. Where should I find my next talent, AC, VA, OBM? I did answer this earlier, but I want to just make sure that I go over this one more time. Make sure you have a job posting. Definitely on that job posting, make sure you have core values of your business, what you're looking for, and post that on Indeed, Upwork, LinkedIn, somewhere like that. How much should I pay my assistant coach? So you could either do a flat fee per client or you could do a percentage. Um, It really is up to you, right? One thing I want you to think about when you're, when you're asking yourself this question, what should I pay somebody? How should I structure this? Think about what their role is in your company, the value they bring to your company. And also keep this in mind too. You want to give them room to grow. You don't want to give them everything at first, right? You don't want to give them all the commission at first, all the percentage. Now, there is a range, right? I, I would not give your assistant coach more than about 60% of the cut ever. Uh, You could start out with a 50-50 cut. You could start out with a 40-60 cut. 60 goes to you. Keep in mind, you know, an assistant coach is not going to be a millionaire, right? Like an assistant coach, you're taking a job. If you are taking a paycheck from somebody else, that is not the way to get rich, okay? We, there are employees and there are business owners and the world needs both of them, right? And so the reason that you want to take a bigger cut is because you are the one that's liable. You're the one that's holding the business together. If something happens, your name is on the line. You're supplying the contracts. You're supplying the clients. You know what I mean? Like you're doing all of those things. So create some kind of scale for as they grow their roster, they are rewarded more. Again, whether that's a flat fee or a percentage, it doesn't really matter. And make sure the role of your assistant coach is clearly defined in that contract. With the non-compete, don't forget that. Will I ever work less? This question comes typically from my coaches who are either just starting out or feeling really frustrated. And the answer is probably not. (laughs) I mean, I don't know how to say that in a different way, but you know, there's never been a part in my business where I've worked less. What happens is I'm able to take time off and still make money. I'm able to have more support as I scale. Certain things that I did in my business you know, three years, four years ago, I don't have to do today. So it just changes as you scale. But if your goal is to work less and you want an entirely passive business, meaning it's just passive courses, passive offers, then be prepared to spend an exorbitant amount of money on ads, 
number one. And number two, be prepared to be absolutely amazing at funnel building. That's really the only way around that. How do I start an email list? Easiest way to do this is to literally have an amazing freebie or a lead magnet, have some kind of an opt-in page and make sure you have an email sequence with it. That's something that we go over a lot in my mastermind, email sequencing, how to build those out. Um, but you know, we definitely do not want to neglect email lists, right? It's never too early to start that. If Instagram were to blow up tomorrow, we want to make sure that you do have an email list because you do own all of those emails, right? So these are just a few questions that I've gotten recently. Hopefully these are helpful. Um, and I, you know, if you have any other that come to mind, please let me know. Um, but you know, there's never a question that is silly or stupid or any of that. My DMS are open. You guys know that. So until next time, I will see y'all later. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Taylor Hayes podcast. Love the episode, share it and tag me on Instagram. Have a question. My DMS are always open until next time. Bye y'all.